Okay, this is the second episode of Cody's Castle. I'm currently here with my longtime friend and roommate, Alex. Howdy. Uh, so, I wanted to start this episode by, first of all, clearing up some things from the last podcast. Uh, the way I was talking about Palestine kind of made it sound like all Palestinians were uh, complicit in... Uh, some of the war crimes that were going on. So I just wanted to go ahead and clear that up right now. Um, it's specifically Hamas. It's not all Palestinians. Uh, the second thing is I do want this podcast to be focused on politics. So from this episode on, we'll, we'll mostly focus on politics. Uh, we may have other topics every once in a while, but those will be few and uh, far between. So... Uh, let me start by asking, where do you consider yourself politically? Uh, pretty much right down the middle. There are things, and not necessarily, uh, I know centrists tend to get a bad rap on having feet on both sides. Mm. It, I'm, I don't necessarily have feet on both sides, it's just different issues that I am on. Like, there may be issues that I lean more left on, but there may be other issues that I lean more right on. So I'm kind of on both sides of the spectrum. Okay, and uh, what do you can like? What do you think the biggest problem in America that's not getting enough coverage right now is? That's a good question, because uh, we have a lot of issues. <laughs> <laughs> the bit, that's not getting enough coverage. Mm -hmm. Ooh, um, biggest problem in America is not getting enough coverage. Or you think people aren't really talking about that much? That needs to be solved. Let me think about this. This one's a hard... Can we come back to this question? Yeah. <laughs> well, the second question is, what do you think the biggest issue in the world is that's not really being talked about right now? I mean, the biggest issue in the world... I mean, the easiest one is climate change, but I feel mm -hmm. like that's being talked about quite a bit. It's mm -hmm. just not being acted on. Yeah. Um, I guess... I guess some of... One thing that I know I haven't heard about quite often is mm -hmm. some of the... Uh, I mean, this is primarily Chinese focused, mm -hmm. but the 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 Uyghur genocide in, in China, I feel like for sure most Americans don't know about it, don't know what's going on in in China, and I feel like it's a pretty large issue. So yeah. I feel like that's probably one of the biggest in the wor worldwide. Mm -hmm. But as far as the U.S. goes, um, again, that's hard because I feel like most I feel like anything wrong with the country tends to be brought to light pretty often. Yeah, or I, I guess. Let's say, what's the biggest issue that you feel is not being fixed right now, or what? Oh, what not is... being fixed. Yeah, we'll we'll switch it to that. Well, I think that, I think. Well, I mean, this is going to be coming from uh, from my, my civil engineering point of view. Mm. Um, and this is uh, this is going to be one of the topics that we talk about. But infrastructure, mm -hmm. they're they're trying to and infrastructure, and I don't just mean like physical roads, physical bridges. As a first world country, mm -hmm. some of our a lot of our infrastructure. Is borderline second world. Yeah, um, I mean, our 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 infrastructure. I think I think up to to the overall standard right now is a C minus, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, and to get up to a B, um, the current infrastructure bill is about half of what we need. Yeah. So, but I mean, it goes back to uh, to um, network to power grids to I mean, just the whole range. It's a lot of areas of the country are way behind, and I feel like it's. It's it's been ignored for a long time, which is why we're at where we're at. Awesome. Well, I'm glad we're going to be talking about infrastructure. Uh, I was kind of planning on starting with Afghanistan or the withdrawal mm -hmm. from Afghanistan, but let let's start with infrastructure. All right. Um. 
where do we even start, to be honest? So, yeah. So, I know Pelosi is trying for a... It, it's going to... The the infrastructure bill is really interesting because it on its own, mm-hmm. it, it seemed like it was going to pass. Yeah. It, it got passed the Senate with 19 Republicans voting for it, which, by today's standards, is extremely bipartisan. Yeah. Um, And so, it kind of looked like it was on the fast track to being passed in the House. Mm-hmm. And then... um. Pelosi and uh, this this ten you know they were they had been talking about this for a while, but there was a lot of things that they, tra- that they tried to add to the infrastructure bill that they considered soft infrastructure. Yeah. Um. I know some of the things that were Medicaid expansion, um, uh, pre uh, pre K education, free community college. Um. That's just a few of the ones I can name off the top of my head. Uh, which are all good programs on their own. Yeah. <clears throat> um. It's just they're trying to sum it up into one package mm-hmm. um that comes at a at a 1.5 trillion dollar um price tag which is three times what the initial infrastructure bill was yeah and that's what's off-putting a lot of people and so like and i told you this earlier it's it's dividing it's dividing into four groups mainly mm-hmm. you have the you have the uh the progressives on the left who look at these at, the, at these soft infrastructure problems as major problems that need to be fixed immediately mm-hmm and so they're pushing for both these bills to be passed together. Um, then you have more more fiscally conservative Repub- uh, Democrats in the Senate and the House mm-hmm. um, that understand that passing both of them together not only comes with a large price tag yeah. that has some economic consequences, but it could also mean it could also lose support from the other side of the of the aisle. Mm-hmm. And so they they a lot of those Democrats are tend to be more bipartisan leaning and wanting to get support from the other side yeah understanding that they need it mm-hmm. with with as close as the numbers are in both houses um are in both uh branches and so um and then on the on the republican side you have the more moderates republicans that were planning on accepting the on accepting on yeah. accepting it on accepting that they were going to ex- accept the infrastructure bill regardless mm-hmm. but even with the the second bill um it sounds like a lot of them are still considering on voting, are still going to vote for both of them. Mm-hmm. And then you have the far right um, Republicans that are just, uh, I mean, they're they're playing po- politics with this bill. Yeah. Because they understand. Because I mean, with Biden's low approval rating, he, if he can get the, oh, if he can get a win, he needs a win. Right? Yeah. And they don't want to give him any kind of win. And passing a large infra- passing both of these bills would give him a win on both sides of the aisle and. Um, so they're kind of using this to their political advantage. Yeah. And I mean, you look at the right, at the left, I mean, McConnell's really using it to his advantage by saying, about, talking about the debt cap, um, you know, doing a complete 180, like, you know, like politicians do. Yeah. In 20, <laughs> uh, because in 2019, he said that he would never raise the debt cap. America would never default. Yeah. And then now he's saying that he has no intentions of raising the debt cap. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so... That's kind of where it's at now. Kind of mm-hmm. at a standstill. Kind of no one knows if it's going to, if either of them are if, going to pass. <laughs> yeah, because if they try to pass both of them together, because they, they pretty much want to want to want to fast track both of them together mm-hmm. to where pretty much whenever it comes to vote, if you vote yay for one, you're voting yay for the other. Yeah. And so, and that's, I, I, I find that a, a dangerous i find that dangerous for the bill both bills because mm-hmm. i think both bills on their own have merit yeah 
And I think I think the three point five trillion because I mean the infrastructure bill got talked down. There were things that got cut out and got it got down to a point where both sides could agree. And it sounds like there are a lot of people that aren't willing to budge on the three point five trillion dollar one. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think the main reason that they're not willing to budge is because they only need fifty percent now. Yeah. Because since it's not a typical finance bill, it's a budget re- uh, reconciliation, which means just got tacked onto the budget. Mm-hmm. So they only need fifty percent to do that, which the Repo- the Democrats have on both sides. Yeah. The question though is whether they have it in their own party, because um, you know, like I said, there are phys- there are some fiscally conservative Democrats in the House and Senate that aren't fully on bill with on board with both of them, mm-hmm. and so it's really going to take. It's, it starts with Pelosi. It's going to take Pelosi trying to figure out the balance between the two factions of her own party. Because they're the ones that are guiding this train. Yeah. And so they have to, she has to kind of make sure that the progressives are still happy with making sure that, that the bill, at least the $3.5 trillion, the soft infrastructure bill is at least heard. Yeah. Um, while also making sure that the bipartisanship continues to pass the infrastructure bill as well. For sure. Um, so I, I think we'll start with, I guess, the first faction that you were talking about, mm-hmm. which is the far left, um, which is typically AOC, uh, mm-hmm. the squad, if you will. Yeah. Um, I, I have a pretty strong feeling they're not going to vote for it if, uh, is it the American Families Act is, uh, the soft, uh, infrastructure bill that they're tacking on to the $550 billion one? I actually don't know the official name of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just I've just heard it referred to as a soft infrastructure bill. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not sure the exact name of it. Okay, uh, I think it's the American Families uh, Act. Uh, so they're not they're most likely not going to vote for either bill, or I'm sorry, they're going to vote for that bill, obviously. Uh, but if that doesn't pass, they're not going to vote for the uh, hard infrastructure bill, which is just as important, to be honest with you. Um, and what'll be really interesting to see is, if you're Biden, mm-hmm. you want one of these two to pass. Yeah. You know? And if, if, from his point of view, honestly, if you can get the infrastructure bill to pass on its own, mm-hmm. that's going to win you support from both sides. Yeah. And that, I mean... I mean, his approval ratings have gone down with, you know, with, and I'm not sure. How, I mean, a lot of that's him, but then some of it's just the way everything's falling at once. Yeah. Um. And so you need something to go your way. And so, and so it's hard because now he's relying on, on the progressive side of his, of mm-hmm. the, because if they don't vote for, if, for either of them, then he's not going to win. Then he's not going to win. <laughs> If the Republicans don't vote for either of them, they're not going to, you know, then he's still yeah. going to lose. The only way he, you know, the, there's a lot of ways that he can lose this and very all, few that he can win. And only one, <laughs> only one way he can win, especially when you have so many sides that aren't willing to budge. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's see. Let me think about this for a sec. Um, yeah, so I think the the biggest thing with these two bills is um you know all of these factions have said they're not going to vote for it mm-hmm. with certain conditions uh and it's affected the way obviously that the people that support these candidates think mm-hmm. uh so i want to talk about 
people in general, not necessarily the uh, the lawmakers. Yeah. Um, I I still see a lot of uh, pushback to either of these bills uh, when they both increase quality of life for everyone. Uh, they improve the economy and they just improve everything in general. Um, so what I want to ask you is how do I, how do I even wear this? How, how do we convince people that either of these are good things when, um, you know, there's such, uh, God damn, how am I going to say that? When will, there is such pushback on yeah. each side. So the pushback that... The main pushback from... And I'm not sure at this point many people are pushing back from the infrastructure bill. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it sounded like it was... Like it sounded like most people were on board with yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's mostly the soft infrastructure yeah. that I'm... And honestly, the soft infrastructure bill... Mm-hmm. I don't think the pushback necessarily comes from what's contained in the bill. Yeah, it's about the economics. It's about the 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 magnitude of of how much it costs. Mm-hmm. Because and because the, the main because I'll admit three point five trillion dollars is a hefty price. Tag. Yeah, and especially with the spending that we've already done with with the spending that we've already done with the um with the cares I think it was the cares act. Yeah, um, and the the child tax credit. You know, all the all these things, all these um, the amount that we've spent to get the economy back. It's also causing an uh, increase in inflation, mm-hmm. which at the end of the day, that's going to come back to hurt middle class families. And so that's why you see a lot of the pushback from middle class income earners mm-hmm. who are mainly the borrowers in the country. Yeah. Um, so I can th- that's where you're going to have to. That, those are people that you're going to have to con- try to convince. Yeah. You know, um, Again, because a lot of these things, free college, free community college, you know, a lot of these things help in the long term. Yeah. Um, it's convincing. It's convincing the middle class taxpayers that one, that it's not going to increase inflation, which I don't, it, which economically, I'm not sure that it won't. Mm. It, I mean, that's just typically how the more, the more the government spends, the higher the more the government spends when it's not making that much, mm-hmm. it's going to cause an uh, inflation to increase. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think a lot of um, a lot of taxpayers are concerned that they, that this hefty price tag will end up just bouncing back to them through taxes. Yeah, and um, and I also I also don't necessarily like the way that they are considering paying for it. Mm-hmm. Because the main way that they were considering paying for it, you know, uh, we saw with AOC that they're addressing the you know, tax rich. Yeah. And I agree with her to an extent, you know, because the, the way that the thing, the main thing that they have been talking about is increasing the income tax on the upper class, on upper class citizens. Yeah. The problem is that doesn't affect the top 1%. Mm-hmm. Because Warren Buffett isn't making a yearly income. Yeah, it's all in... Capital assets, gains. which he yeah he doesn't pay capital gains because he doesn't sell any of his property. Right. It yeah. So if you want to really increase the tax on on the on the wealthy on you know the Jeff Bezos of the world the Elon Musk, mm-hmm. it's not going to be through an income tax. Yeah. It's going to be through a capital gains tax. Yeah. Because the top so the top um the top income tax bracket right now I believe is thirty seven percent. I could be wrong on that. Um. The top bracket for the capital gains tax is twenty percent. Yeah, 
So they're having to pay a lot less in taxes. Um, compare in a percentage compared to somebody that's making, you know, a, a one hundredth or one thousandth yeah. of what they're <laughs> making, and it's because of the capital gains tax. But the thing is, you will never see that. I don't believe you'll ever see that capital gains tax increase mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, most of these politicians are making money off of these capital gains for sure. Like Joe <laughs> <no> Manchin, <laughs> like yeah. a lot of these politicians that that you know are that are trading. Mm-hmm. That you know have a game or have a foot in the stock market, have a hold in the stock market. They don't want. They have control over their own assets at that point. Exactly. The last thing they want to do is be paying more taxes. Mm-hmm. So, I so I agree that the answer is to the answer to at least in part to paying for this bill without and easing the concern of of these a lot of these middle class voters mm-hmm. is is to increase the the tax on the wealth. But it's not. I mean, tax on the wealthy. But it's not through income tax. Yeah, it, I, I like I said, I think it's on. I think it's capital gains, but that'll never happen. So the answer yeah. now is, is what they're going to do, going to be enough? And I don't know if it will be or not. Economically, like uh, to or fund fi- the bill. Okay. To yeah. pay, to pay for the bill, without. You know, because I know because Biden's big thing was always uh. I can't remember if he promised not to increase it, but, like, so, someone's going to have to pay for it. You yeah. Know? And so it comes down to really, I think that's the biggest concern for people. It's not what's in the bill, it's who's going to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And everyone wants things, but they don't want to pay for it. Exactly. <laughs> and, um, you know, they don't want to be the ones that have to foot the bill for it. Mm-hmm. And so... Especially when the inflation rate, which is going to go up by spending it, mm-hmm. mainly affects the people that are having to increase taxes on, having that are getting their taxes increased. Yeah. Um. And so I think I think that's the the best way to to get people to be on board with this is proving that you can pay for this stuff. Yeah. In a one sustainable way, and in two a way that's not going to put them in a financial hole for the next five or six years. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I obviously agree. It's not really a, a debate, but yeah. yeah, I largely agree with that. Um, cause it's a very, both these bills are very good and they're, they're, yeah. there are things that need to be addressed in both of them. Mm-hmm. Like I said, most people's drawbacks are just the size of it. Yeah. So I, I agree with that. Um, so I guess the next question is, um, I assume you're, you're a capitalist, right? Yeah, I mean, I see some... Oh, that's not good. I don't know why I don't understand. Oh, nope. Oh, okay. Siri's not a capitalist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, from a non... Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. You go. Yeah. Uh, I see... Um, again, this is one where I... I, I like capitalism. Sprinkle. Mm. I don't like pure capitalism. Pure yeah. capitalism is rampant with leads... I mean, let me say this. Both extremes, in my opinion... Mm-hmm lead to corruption yeah so pure capitalism will lead to corruption mm-hmm. pure socialism as proven will lead to corruption both have proven that they will lead to corrupt to corruption yeah um and so i guess the what the way i like to say it is capitalism sprinkled with sprinkled with socialism uh-huh. a little, a, little <laughs> an, a, a nice mix yeah which is kind of what we have even though we tend to lean more more capitalist yeah but you know we have some some things that are so that are Socialized. You know, socialized, yeah. socialized, you know, the road system, mm. um, libraries, things like that. Uh, so, so the question is, 
um, a lot of the things in the soft in infrastructure bill, like clean water, uh, education, you know, these are mostly viewed as rights in other parts of the world. Um, do you think our responsibility to provide these rights to our citizens, like outweigh any kind of financial, uh, how do you say that? Any, financial benefit? Well, not even benefit, or, or just cost. Fi yeah, any cost to it when they're like a, an essential right and responsibility that we owe our citizens. So we're talking about the soft infrastructure, the hard infrastructure, or both? Uh, we'll, we'll focus on the soft for now. Okay. Because in my opinion, I I view both of these as I I think I think long term there are economic benefits. Yeah. Um. So I don't think those two are mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. uh, I think a lot of the things that you do that are that we can, you know that we consider rights. Yeah. To or that people um that are people's rights. If you look at it in the long term, will end up most of the time being financially economically positive. Yeah. Um, for instance, community college, providing free community college, you're not, pro you're not providing, or you're not providing a whole new, um, generation, generations of skilled laborers. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of an economic benefit of pre-K, but I mean, that's just, I mean, it furthers education. Yeah, it furthers education. It helps one leads to the other. Exactly. Um, like climate change, I don't mm -hmm. think that's, that economically, it makes sense to prevent it. prevent it. Yeah. Um. Because I know people, I know everybody like to talk to like to talk about how humans can or we we can just adapt to the changing environment. Yeah. That's gonna take money to adapt, and it would take a whole lot less money to just prevent it than it would to adapt exactly. to it. Yeah. Um. And so I don't think those two are mutually exclusive. I think that a lot of these things in both of these infrastructure bills. Mm. It's going to cost money up front because, like we said, everyone everything costs money, but you know people don't like to pay. Yeah. Um. I I don't think that they're mutually exclusive. I think the things in these bills are going to cost money now, but then in the long term will be economically beneficial mm -hmm. to everyone. Yeah. And so, I guess you're killing two birds with one stone. You're able to you're able to provide people the basic human rights that mm -hmm. that they need. Yeah really to 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 survive yeah while also while also doing thing that in the long term will be economically beneficial mm -hmm. okay I, I i mostly agree with that mm -hmm. I, I i'm trying to think of if i kind of asked the question in a weird way um how do you say that i i I completely agree with your point. I guess what I'm mainly trying to figure out, <coughs> regardless of, like, economic benefits, mm -hmm. do we have a responsibility to provide these things, no matter the cost? Yes, to mm -hmm. an extent. Mm -hmm. Because you also have to look... It, when the cost when the when the cost gets to the point where it's starting to um <coughs> where it's starting to impact the rights of other where it's starting not you know those same rights <coughs> so for in, I'm trying to think of an example so you know if and I'm, I keep going back to the middle class because they're the ones that you know get 
I feel like the MoFest is the one that gets forgotten about the most. Yeah. And ha- and gets the uh, you know the the burden push on the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's the majority of the country. Um. So I would say yes mm-hmm. until it gets to the point that the burden that we're putting, you know, because like I said, like you know, the, in order to pay for some of these things, taxes are gonna have to increase. You're gonna have to increase your input into the community. Yeah. Um, whenever you, we get to the point where we're asking you to put more into the community than you can necessarily afford, mm-hmm. th- you know, then it may be, you know, then it's coming to who's, who's right, whose necessities matter more. Yeah. So I think I would, I would agree to you where these rights, the beneficial, the benef the um, economic cost of these, the economic cost is less than the, I'm trying to think of the best way to say it. like the rights are more important than the economic cost. Yeah. To a until it gets to the point where the economic cost is starting to affect the rights of those paying for it. The mm-hmm. you see what I'm saying? So if you know if it gets up if we, you know tax continue to rise and rise and rise to where you know you have middle class families that are no longer able to um to make a living wage. Yeah. Or to um pay to live in their the into the in their home mm-hmm. well then you know it then it, we're not doing it for the greater good anymore now it's starting to have negative impacts on our on the community as a whole on the greater good for sure on the community as a whole and so there's a balance between it mm-hmm. but i feel like the majority of these are are good and out and don't outweigh the economic costs okay um <clears throat> uh, okay so uh, I will never provide an, a simple answer. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. That's fine. The longer the question, the more I don't have to. <laughs> but um, okay, I, I let's go back to how we can fund it. Yeah. Um, I think honestly, the easiest answer, and I know a lot of people don't like this, but defunding the military would just pay for this bill. You know. It, we're talking about four hundred, five hundred billion dollars every year for the military. Um, you know, if we cut that by a fifth, uh, that five, the original five hundred fifty billion dollar uh, infrastructure plan is paid for in five years, mm-hmm. and, and it doesn't affect any other segment of the economy. It, it doesn't increase taxes, um, and I, I think honestly, just defunding the military. It, it that and that's a good point. And I think a lot of the people that are, you know, that hear that and get scared, yeah, think that we're nece- that we're talking about like, oh, we're not going to have as many troops, or yeah, and th- that's not what we're talking. The amount of military wasteful spending mm-hmm. is absurd. I mean, if you, uh, what was that? What was that jet project that they? Um, I'm trying to think of the name of it. The F-35. F-35. Yeah, yeah. where they spent trillions of dollars. Yeah, <laughs> and it was never produced. It was never. They never finished. Yeah. And they spent tr- not billions, trillions, trillions yeah. with a T, um, on a jet yeah. that was never produced. And so, I, when it, with things like that, I ask people, it's like, you know, they say, well, if we don't spend, we'll we'll, we'll fall behind other countries. We it, it is impossible for us to fall behind other countries. If we didn't pay for the military for five years, right. we still would not be behind any country on earth. Right, and. It's like it's like okay, but we're spit. as like it never came into production. So how did yeah. we get ahead of that? Like, it's, so it's not necessarily, uh, you know, I'm not talking about going and 
you know, start taking away their tanks. Or yeah. Taking away, taking away, uh, you know, cutting the the number of arms or of soldiers in half. And mm-hmm. That's not what I'm talking. The amount of waste, cutting down the wasteful spending, mm-hmm. the spending that they're doing just because they have it and just because they can. It's like, and it all it almost seems like there needs to be, a, and I don't know if there is or not. There very well could be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just don't know about it. I could be ignorant on the topic. But a a I can uh, a governing body that you know, and I'm I'm talking about a, a third party governing body mm-hmm. outside of the outside of the U.S. military that looks at these spending and says, okay, what can we cut? Yeah, and just it, audits everything. That, yeah, a good audit because you know that that's what the U.S. military needs a good a solid audit. Everyone yeah. needs a good audit every now and then. Mm-hmm. And uh, so yeah, I would agree. With, I think that would go a long way of funding a lot of things, in my opinion. Because the yearly, I mean, it's and we're not talking about over the last. I'm just talking about like yearly on a yeah. yearly basis, the amount of spend, wasteful spending, um, and you know, just just the us, and I mean, and I guess you can look at the Afghan another topic. Yeah. Uh, the Afghan. I mean, obviously we have enough to where we could just leave leave yeah. shit in another country <laughs> and just give it to them. So, um. Yeah, cutting down a wasteful spending. I, I, wasteful, not necessarily. You know, I'm not talking about you know stop manufacturing of of, of tanks or mm-hmm. of, of fighter jets or things like that. But it's like you look at some of these projects and it's like, why, <laughs> why, why are we doing this? Yeah, uh, were you in in my speech class junior year? I can't remember. Yes. Okay, I I don't you might not remember, but I did a presentation on wasteful spending in the military i do not remember that uh yeah um so my main thing junior year to now has been reallocation of a lot of the funds Mm -hmm. uh so yeah the wasteful spending the pointless contracts uh that continue the cycle of this military industrial complex where you know we keep putting more money in uh, to fund these companies like Lockheed Martin, uh, even Boeing, Raytheon. Um, and I, I think that they're extremely wasteful when uh, the reason that these companies charge so much for things is because they have a monopoly on these things. Mm. Um, so we'd, we'd be saving hundreds of billions of dollars a year if we could uh, essentially break these up so that they're they're not these monopolies. Um, and the most interesting thing I find with the when especially whenever it comes to the military spending is that a lot of the people that are in favor of the military spending mm-hmm. call them most of them call themselves economically conservative. Yeah. <laughs> and then you look at some of their spending and it's like it's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, and I'm, uh, I mean, I mean, the Trump era is a great example where Trump came off as you know. You, you know, his, his big thing was that he was conservative. And then you look at his spending. I'm not just talking military. I'm talking across the board. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, I mean, it has, it has Reagan turning over in his grave. You know? Yeah. It's... The, the fact that the word, that the, the word Trump and conservative were being used in the same sentence. Yeah. The spending, I mean, and I'm not saying Biden is it. I mean, the last three presidents have, I mean, are, you can group them all together with their spending is, is absurd. And but both sides, I find, have done. no president has taken, has been willing to step out to to start out reallocating these funds. Yeah, uh, you know, Biden didn't do it, Trump didn't do it, Obama didn't. No one, no president has done it. Mm. And so, Bush definitely didn't do it. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> and so I guess I guess I kind of wonder what and maybe it's just those old school old school uh, old school politicians that are that feel like we need to I don't I don't know what it's gonna take for them to do that mm-hmm. or who will it take to do that for them to take a look at the spending basically yeah for them to take a look at the military military spending specifically yeah um because I mean the U S loves to spend money that they don't have mm-hmm. historically we just yeah. always have um and I mean it's can and the the epitome of it is is the military yeah um do you have do you know what the ratchet system is when it comes to U.S. politics? The ratchet system? Uh, I do not. You can... Okay, yeah. so essentially, in American politics, every time a Republican is elected, you know, we get more right-wing policies. Um, but then when we switch back to a Democrat, you know, we don't really repeal those things. So it, it, it keeps moving... Um, American politics to the right slightly every single presidency, you know, uh, and it's hard. It's very easy to move to the right and it's hard to bring it back. So it, it basically right. Can't go left. Keeps going right. Um, and I, I have a question though. Yeah. Do you, so do you think the country has more move has moved more right or left since in the last oh, 20 years? I mean, it's hard to say that it's moved to the left at all. It's moved extremely right in the past 20 years. See, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree with you a little bit on that one. Because mm. I, I think if you look at if you uh, specifics, uh, the U.S. as a whole, but it's also specific states. If you look at um, the New York, the California, the, mm. compared to when George Bush became president. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so I'll go back even, I'll go back 40 years. Mm-hmm. So Ronald Reagan won, what, 49 out of 50 states in, in his second term. Mm-hmm. If Ronald Reagan won, would run again mm-hmm. on his same premise, run his exact same campaign, yeah. Ronald Reagan would not win 49 out of the 50 states. That is true. Um, Ronald, Ronald Reagan would probably win, but mm-hmm. he'd probably win, I would say... Probably thirty. Yeah, and so th- I guess I guess looking at it from that perspective, I don't see how, I don't see how it's become more right. Mm-hmm. I would say it's be- I would say it's it's swung back because you could go back to the, to the twenties and thirties and forties into the sixties. Yeah, and it was very it was for the time it, uh, it compared was, to the time yeah. it was fairly left. Mm-hmm. And you know then uh, the eighties and the nineties. You start to the right. Move to the right, yeah. and I think the country starts. I and I it's starting to swing back to the left. I find, mm-hmm. and I think it's it's a continual swing back and forth. Um. So I think so. I do think that that there's that that sway that you're talking about. Yeah. But I think it, it's more of a pendulum effect, and we're starting to swing. More. To the yeah, more to the other side because. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I, I'd i still say it's more of a ratchet. Just to be honest, in American politics, the left is still to the right, you know. On, on a global scale, you have, like, the Labor Party far here on the left. 
Then you have, you know, centrists, and you have Democrats right here, directly right next to the centrists, but still far, far right compared to like actual leftists um, who are socialists, who are uh, social democrats, democratic socialists. So I, I still think in the past 20 years for sure, we're still slowly going to the right. Well, I'm going more off of the the um, U.S. The U.S. Uh, looking at the U.S. On, at a micro uh, under a microscope. No, yeah. Uh, no, ign- pretty much ignoring the European countries because mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, obviously compared to, uh, you know, a Russia or a um, some of the Eastern uh, European countries, we're going to be fairly right. Yeah. You know? But I mean, it, even. In American politics, you know, we we push bills that are not really overturned by uh, by Democratic presidents or Democratic Congress or House. I'm sorry, uh, House or Senate um, that typically just stay there. You know, I mean, military spending that increased in the early 2000s with Bush is still something that we're dealing with. Obama didn't address it, like you said. And Biden definitely is not addressing it right now. So would you say that that's? Would you so would you say that that's because of the political leanings of the citizens of America, or would you say that's poor leadership? I I think it's a a combination of both. I mean, we have with the advent of the internet, you know, we had extreme radical radicalization of both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the misinformation that goes to the right has affected more people than to the left okay well <clears throat> I, I guess my question is more of um you know whenever it comes to right you know to leadership from the right yeah uh they, they prove that they're not afraid to overturn yeah and that they're not afraid to repeal mm-hmm. um and you're seeing that a bit with with Biden overturning some of the Trump era policies, mm-hmm. um, they might doing in the in the most efficient way, but um, which that can be another conversation. Mm-hmm. But uh, so you're seeing it, it like they're they're not afraid to do it, mm-hmm. but then on the on the on the on the uh, Democrat side, they're you know they, they kind of just let it go under the table that they don't. Yeah. So I guess my question was: Is that poor leadership? Is that representative poor leadership from the left? From the left. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Keep it short. Yeah, that is poor leadership from the left. And I think that that's why. I think that's why the country hasn't shifted mm. more to the left than it has. Because I think it's not necessarily the political leanings of the country as a whole. I would say it's more of they choose the wrong people. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, Obama was a great, um, mild, you know, a, a significant, a significant historical event. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it was a moment, it was momentous, you know, electing the first African-American president. Yeah. Then you get into the detail, you know, and, and everyone expected him to do things different. But he, he does the same thing as people on the right. Right. Well, and I'm not even talking about I'm historic historically people. Yeah. From from I'm just talking about 
a democratic from the democratic side. You know, mm-hmm. they expected him to you know come out and make all these changes. And he didn't do much. Yeah. And then you look at it and someone like Biden. You look at it even before the Clinton era. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Clinton era had different issues, but. <laughs> To me, it's almost like they're not very good at picking their own leaders, mm-hmm. which is part of the reason they haven't m- made as strong of a push as they could. Yeah, you know, because you so going back to the twenties. I mean, going way back, the last time that I think they the the left really had some strong leaders. Yeah, I mean the last the last the I mean the farthest left president that we've had served three terms, or yeah. was it four? No, it was four. Yeah, FDR served four. Um. I mean, and he was, he was extremely popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, of course, it was at a time when most people were poor, and, he, and yeah. you know, so he he resonated well with the poor. And, uh, you know, so, so it's sad that I have to go back that far to find a strong leader from the left. Yeah, and, and I think that's part because you saw what happened when they had a strong leader. Mm-hmm. It it grew in popularity. It was extremely popular. And going going to Louisiana politics, you know, because mm-hmm. that's that's my bread and butter. <laughs> that's why Huey. That's why Huey Long was assassinated. Yeah. That's what that's what uh, right leaning politicians in Louisiana were concerned about at the time. Mm-hmm. It was that it was that this far left policy would gain traction in Louisiana. Yeah. And become that popular, which is why he was assassinated. And so, um. I, I would say that's what the left is missing. It's not, and they they I feel like the base is ready to support them, mm-hmm. but they need a strong leader. Yeah, and the fact that we have to go back a century to find one <laughs> is probably the reason that it hasn't gained as much traction as it could have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I I'd agree with that. Um, yeah, <laughs> there's nothing I can really <laughs> say against it. Um. Okay. Is there anything else about the infrastructure bill we want to talk about? No. I think that, I mean, we covered a good bit of topics right there. All right. Uh, Well, I guess we'll move on to the withdrawal from Afghanistan. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Good uh, good transition. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That was uh, 40 minutes. That wasn't bad. Uh, So, where do we even start with Afghanistan? It was a mess. It was... It's a huge mess, you know, but it's not a, I don't, I'm too many people are trying to put all the blame on Biden whenever this started in February of 2020. Yeah. And it really started with Trump with, it started in the Trump era. It started with um, for somebody in, in the federal government decided it'd be a good idea to trust that the Taliban were going to keep their word. Yeah. That's where, that's where it started with in both, both administrations are guilty of it of just assuming that they're going to keep their word it's like when have the taliban ever kept their word yeah exactly (laughs) and uh, i i guess the biggest point i want with this uh topic is you know people want us to go back to afghanistan because of you know the bombing that took place at the kabul airport Mm -hmm. um and they put all this blame on biden when like we said it, it started in february of last year under Trump's administration, and I mean, it, it's not all Trump's idea to get us out of Afghanistan. This has been for years. Yeah. But um, I, I just don't see how people can try to pit all this blame on Biden 
for essentially just following out Trump's plan and something that should have been done, you know, years ago. We that shouldn't have even started. So I guess I guess I put as not just as much, but I still put blame on the Biden because there were red flags. Yeah. There were red flags that this was gonna go south. And, you know, just going back to our last thing where, you know, about the repealing, mm. you know, w- would it have been better to, to maybe slow down, slow down the, the removal? Yeah, it probably would have been better. Yeah. Um, or even, or even, you know, to, but to, you know, to, it seemed like the Biden administration ignored some of the call, some of the same signs that had been ignored in the Trump. Yeah. So I guess Biden, I put Biden at fault here. Mm. Not because he did something that Trump didn't do, mm-hmm. but because he did the exact same thing that Trump did. Yeah. Where which was ignore they would they both ignored signs. They put trust it off. In, yeah. They put it off. They put trust in the Taliban that they were going to cover their side of the deal from mm-hmm. the deal made in February of 2020. And again, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have taken them out. That's not. I don't think anyone's arguing that they shouldn't have been removed. Yeah. I think people are, are very upset about the process that they were removed, the the slowness that it took to to get them out. Um, again, the military uh, equipment that was left there. I mean, I, I saw Taliban fighters had a uh, what was it? What was the uh, flight simulation thing that they had? It was like an F. I forgot the I forgot the name of the jet, but they had pretty much had a jet simulator that they left over there. And they were like, they don't even have an air force. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think I think that's why. I mean, it's also it's also good politicking, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. by the right. Yeah, you know, because I mean, with midterms coming up, you want Biden's, you want, you want Biden's approval rating as low as possible, mm-hmm. and so they're just piling on him as much as he, as much as they can, for sure. And so it, it's it's politicking, but it's also some of it's his fault, some of it's Trump's fault, and so I mean, it it's a disaster. It was never going to be pretty. Yeah, it was never going to be pretty. Um, but I didn't expect it to be that bad. Yeah, it was very, it was horrible. Uh, yeah, I think the biggest things are that you know it took so long for us to get out mm-hmm. we we haven't had to be there for years 19, 20 years 19, yeah 20 20 years yeah yeah um you know the, it was all essentially started on something that could have been prevented um you know i mean you can argue led to the creation of isis yeah i mean yeah yeah the, uh, a lot of the terrorist groups in the Middle East have been started by U.S. Um, actions, you know, in uh, Iraq and Afghanistan, uh, even, you know, the way that we kind of formed partnerships with uh, Saudi Arabia, you know. And I think if you, the real question is, mm-hmm. going back 20 years, if you would if you would show the U.S. government, hey, you going in is going to create all these terrorist groups i wonder if they would still make the same decision and i that's i i don't know i don't because part of me wants to say they wouldn't Mm -hmm. but then the other part of me is like oil and (laughs) and then i'm like i'm not sure that they wouldn't have made those decisions because i mean no a politician loves nothing more than a good war yeah and because i mean they get approval ratings up they get you know a lot of times war tends to boost the economy Mm mm-hmm and so I don't know that they would have. Yeah. I I think they would have. I think they would have continued even if they knew every single co- Bush definitely would have. <laughs> oh, without a doubt. Um, he he's 
shown absolutely no regret for you know the the millions of Afghans <laughs> civilians who have fucking died directly because of him the thousands upon thousands of US servicemen um just crippling the economy of Afghanistan for absolutely no reason you know because of an event which of course was horrible but could have been prevented by you know just staying out of the Middle East in general and not intervening in that area. Well, I think that could be, that could solve a lot of the U.S.'s problems where the U.S. tries just to... staying end, out of stuff? Just staying out. Yeah. Um, but the U.S. loves to pretend to be the moral police for the world. Yeah. When in actuality, that's not our intentions at all. A lot of times there's other motives. Mm-hmm. And so, and this is just another, this is a, uh, the probably the biggest example of maybe we should just stay out. Yeah, the war on terror is uh, probably the deadliest. Well, yeah, probably the deadliest yeah. war on both sides um, in U.S. history. You know, and we got nowhere. Yeah, we, we got nowhere because we re- as soon as we left, they took it over. The Taliban took it over. Yeah, and then you know, ISIS is still a thing that we caused. Um, we're we're fighting terrorist groups. We still are, just not in Afghanistan. But we're also creating more by continuing to fight over there. And I think the war on terror is going to continue until, you know, the U.S. is like, okay, it's it's our time to stop uh, these false reasons for war. And uh, my, I, I'm interested to see, because, I, I mean, obviously the Taliban isn't planning on... They're you know, just chilling, you know. Yeah. They, you know, they're, they're not. They're not going to stop their motives anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the the, the Kabul, the Kabul, um, the um, airport attack, mm-hmm. um, was big news because there was a lot of because there were U.S. citizens and soldiers there. My, you know, I don't think that that's going to be the last instance like that. For sure, I don't think that this not going to be the last attack. It's mm-hmm. not going to be. And so, you know, I wonder what, and I don't think it's going to be the last one in Biden's administration. Absolutely. <laughs> and so I wonder what his response to it is going to be. You know, is it going to be the old school, we're sending troops in? Yeah. Because then, not only did you just backtrack, but you just backtracked again. Like, you just made, you know, we're, go, we're going in circles now. It's yeah. never going to end. Or is he going to find another way to deal with it? Mm-hmm. And so, and I don't know what that other way is. I don't. I don't know. Uh, it, whether it's diplomatic, I don't, I don't know how you're diplomatic with the Taliban. That's must be difficult. Whether it's, um, another form of war, whether mm-hmm. it's a tariffs or, you know, whatever it is, but I'm interested to see his the path that he takes, because so far with Kabul, it doesn't seem like the path is anything, mm-hmm. which I don't think was the right, which I don't think was the right answer, um. But uh, it's just the whole thing is a shit show. Yeah, and it, it's a shit show that we could have predicted last February. Mm-hmm. But I don't think anyone predicted it this magnitude. Yeah, I mean, I I think we've been predicting it since the war started. You know, I mean, they they we've always talked about how bad the withdrawal from any war um, in the Middle East is going to be. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I don't think I expected it to be this bad. No. <laughs> um, anything else about that specifically? 
No, I mean, there's not a yeah. It's just a it. It's a mess, and yeah, it's gonna take a lot of politicians that are much smarter than myself <laughs> to come up with solutions other than just the old school sending sending troops in. Yeah, because that's proven to not be effective. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now let's kind of shift it to the aftermath of the withdrawal, uh, specifically, you know, the targeted missile that killed 10 civilians. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we were obviously out of Afghanistan when this took place. Oh, I'm sorry, no, we were not. Uh, we were on our way out of Afghanistan when this took place. Um, it, it was completely founded on false information um, about the person who they bombed. Um, and, and there's essentially no backlash for... For what we did, you know, I mean, we're not facing war crime charges for bombing them. Do you think the people responsible for the attack should, like, actually face some kind of punishment? If it's proven mm-hmm. that they were, I'm trying to think the best way to say it. If it's proven that they that they knew. Mm-hmm. That the information was false, then yes. Well, I mean, even from like a negligence standpoint. Yeah. And I was I was actually having a conversation about this with somebody. Um, I think it was last week, mm-hmm. where the the U.S. is uh, the U.S. citizens. Yeah. And a lot of Western countries, tolerance for war mm-hmm. is very little. Whereas if you look at more of the Eastern world, a little bit more tolerance for, you know, there are some countries that have, you know, their country's going to go out to win a war no matter what, no matter what the cost. Yeah. And the U.S. isn't like that. I, I'd say the opposite. <laughs> the U. I mean, the U. if the, so, uh, let's talk about Israel, or pa- Israel mm-hmm. and Palestine. So, you know, the U.S., so, the U.S., in like, so... Let's I think, let's talk about let's stick with American politics. Mm-hmm. So the the let's go back. I forgot what year it was. Uh, dropping the bomb on uh, Hiroshima. Yeah. That I don't think that would fly in in today's that wouldn't that wouldn't fly in today's America. Yeah. You know that people don't the the American the American public don't have that stomach for war anymore. And so. And I'm gonna. I haven't. I haven't done enough research into the uh, into the the citizens bombing. Mm-hmm. I just know that the that that there's uh, plenty of accounts of negligence. Mm-hmm. Be- partly because they there are some people in the U.S. in the U.S. military they're making decisions that have a bit more stomach for war mm-hmm. than a lot of the U.S. public. Yeah, and so. And a lot of these tend to be older, tend to be, um, tend to be in in the military for much longer. Mm-hmm. So, um, again, don't have much to say because I didn't I didn't do much research into that into the uh, that specific um, the specific bombing that you're referring to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's all I have to say about the, uh, the, the America's America's distaste with war yeah. in general, and some of the old school ways that. You win a war mm-hmm. where you know you're gonna you're gonna 
you're gonna drop yeah. napalm. <laughs> drop napalm. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're gonna we're gonna bomb it, and it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what cost, you know. And you know, you know the war of the you know the way the World War One and Two were fought. You know where mm-hmm. we're just gonna carpet bomb a, a community. Yeah, and then and, and, and you know, stranglehold a a country into submission. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't work, or not that that doesn't work anymore because it probably still work mm-hmm. as far as winning the war. Yeah, but as far as the the perception of it, the American people don't really have a stomach for that anymore. Yeah, um, I'd agree with that mostly. I think the tolerance for war in the U.S. is still extremely high. Um, I mean, we we've been bombing innocent civilians since forever, and I mean, while it's while we're not dropping nukes or napalm, we're still you know targeting hospitals in Afghanistan. Well, not anymore. We were targeting uh, hospitals in Afghanistan, uh, in Iraq. Okay, but I'll say I'm gonna, I'm sorry to cut you off real mm-hmm. quick. But as far as the hospitals and everything, mm. there are multiple terrorist groups, including Hamas. Well, yeah. Uh, that that you know they hide their, you know that they set up they set up bases. Yeah. In hospitals or near schools near you know, and so I guess at that point it's at what point, at what point is it their fault? Mm-hmm. And I get, and I get that's that's a conver- I guess it's a conversation to have. It's whether, <coughs> you know, if they're going to hide, if they're going to hide behind their own citizens, mm-hmm. at what point is is it their fault? I guess it, is it their fault that it's happening? You see what I'm saying? The U.S.'s fault that it's no, happening? no, no, no. the like, people that, that that are hiding that are choosing to go hide in behind in a hospital, okay, in a in a. In a, in a school or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a really good transition to Israel because this yeah. is a topic that we talked about. Uh, Oliver and I talked about mm-hmm. last week. Um, so Hamas is probably the most well-known uh, group that hides behind its citizens yeah. in the Gaza Strip. Um, you know, and and Israel has always been uh, the country that is like you know. They're hiding behind their own citizens, but no matter what, we still need to, um, you know, well, bomb think, them at any cost. Well, I think this is a prime example of what I was talking about, where, mm-hmm. where the, Israel's a, a, a country, that, for example, mm-hmm. example of a country that is willing, that it, that has the stomach for war. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they are okay with doing whatever it takes yeah. to win the war for their country. Mm-hmm. And so that's just an example of what... I was referring to, uh, yeah, and I don't necessarily mean that in a positive or negative way. That's just what it is. Yeah, I, I, I will say America has a lot of the same kind of tolerances that Israel does with bombing uh, innocent civilians in the name of the war on terror. Um, but okay, yeah, let's focus on Israel. Yeah. Um, so, it, do you think that it's okay to bomb? areas where you know there are civilians uh in order to to destroy these uh these groups that we're at war with or israel's at war with sorry it's difficult Mm -hmm. because on one hand if if and uh, this is and this is the argument that israel uses a lot if if we don't stop them Mm -hmm. They're going to keep attacking us. You said, yeah. And so, 
it's one of those things where if they're playing dirt, I guess if they're playing dirty, then we have no choice but to suit down to their level to beat them. Mm-hmm. And so, am I going to say that I I like it? No, I don't like it. But I think, I I don't think I think mm-hmm. that in some cases, it may be necessary. Yeah. And a lot of times the necessity isn't pretty, and that that can go for that can go for anything. The, War is not nice. Mm-hmm. War is not pretty. War is, war is ugly. War is dirty. People die. Yeah. And there's no clean war. Mm-hmm. And whenever the whenever one side is playing dirty, I guess to say to say it one way, whenever one, and then the other side responds responds in an equally dirty way. Mm-hmm. And it it's it's hard to say because. You know, those, these are innocent people. Yeah. They are innocent people that were put in harm's way. And so, you know, it's, it's not, it's not pretty, but it's, you know, sometimes, sometimes the importance of your own citizens has to come before the importance of another citizen, I guess, or the other citizens. Mm-hmm. Um, I think where I disagree with that mm-hmm. is, you know, Israel is a legitimized country. Um, you know, they have responsibilities as a UN recognized mm-hmm. um, state to not commit war crimes. Mm-hmm. And you can't find Hamas or you can't you can't have them on the same level of responsibility when one is a legitimized nation that should be protecting its border safely and the other is a terrorist group you know and there there is essentially no backlash for israel for the war crimes it commits i think that that's the main thing that i disagree with mm-hmm. yeah and It's a difficult topic. It's not an it's not an easy topic to talk about, and you know, I, I guess I guess so. What what would you say would be Israel like? What what should Israel's response be to Hamas to Hamas attacks? What should their response be if Hamas is going to continue? If Hamas, you know, you you puts puts um you know, equipment and bases in hospitals and near schools and in, in, in heavily populated areas. Um, What's the path to stop it? I think that's a really complicated answer. I don't know of a perfect solution, but I know for sure it's not bombing almost randomly into populated areas. Um, whether it's diplomacy, uh, well, Hamas isn't. Hamas, well, yeah, I know, Hamas I know isn't that, about the, but... <laughs> except diplomatic. But I think even targeted strikes of places where it's known, um, where Hamas is, and there are innocent civilians there, I, I don't think that that is uh, the viable solution. I don't know of a perfect solution, but I, I don't think bombing innocent civilians is ever justified. 
And I think this is one where the 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 blood is on both of their oh, it's hard because mm. you know you, you never want innocent civilians to die. Yeah. You never want that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, Israel has to protect its own citizens as well. Mm-hmm. And you can only play defense for so long. And so it's... I, I, I'm trying to think of another solution that they could have done. Because at some point, you have to... The point of war is to defeat the enemy. Yeah. That's the point of war. Um, Even of what is going on for a century. Mm-hmm. And neither side can win yeah you know they just you know you gotta keep trying i guess um but i don't know, i guess i guess that's that's the part that i'm tripping over it's what else were they supposed to what else what other because like like we said the amas is hasn't been very open to diplomatic resolutions to, yeah to, to diplomacy mm-hmm. um and whenever you have whenever both sides are shooting over missiles mm-hmm. If one side stops, the other side's not going to stop. Yeah. Uh, they, they'll just see it as a victory, as a victory, and then you know continue to do and continue to do until you're until they beat you into submission. Yeah. So I guess it's hard. I guess it's hard for me to say that they shouldn't have that they shouldn't do it. Whenever if they stop, I know that Hamas would continue. I mean, I don't. I think they had a ceasefire. Mm-hmm. Correct. Um, so they're not doing it right, but when it, cause whenever it does, cause it's going to happen again. Yeah. Um, it's hard to say that if, if Israel just stops that Hamas is just going to stop because mm-hmm. they're still going to continue. And granted the Iron Dome is, you know, a masterpiece, a military yeah. masterpiece, but it, um, at the same time, you can't. You can't fault Israel for having a good defense system. A lot, a lot, of, a lot of people have said that. Oh well, it's not fair. It almost like it's not fair that Israel has the Iron Dome. Well, you can't blame them for having a good defense system. But, yeah. Uh. So it's it's tricky. I I don't like. I don't. I I'm not in any way saying that I want innocent civilians to die. Yeah, absolutely. I I don't I don't want that at all. It's just I guess I don't see any other path that they were supposed. To, because again, both countries are trying to, both sides are trying to win, mm. and so I guess I didn't see another. I don't see another path where they can win, and and I would say the same if 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 Israel was hiding behind, um, was hiding in their own hospitals. Yeah, I don't. I, I wouldn't see another way that Hamas could win unless they would would eliminate those targets, mm. and so I don't. Know, I don't know what the right answer is. That this is one of those where I'm okay admitting that I don't know what the right answer is. Yeah. But I also don't see... I mean, maybe somebody can present it like they could have, like... I don't know, maybe there's another way to, to, to eliminate a target in a hospital without killing civilians. Yeah. But I don't know it that way. Mm-hmm. And obviously they didn't know, they didn't know it that way <laughs> yeah. either. Yeah. Um, and so... At, at the end of the day, I think that 
both countries are fighting war that they'll they each side will never win and that'll just lead to more destruction mm-hmm. more the real loser in this war is not gonna be whatever side ends up losing it's the civilians on both sides yeah absolutely that are being put in harm's way mm-hmm. um and so i i i don't know this one this is one where i'll uh well i'll admit i don't know mm-hmm. because it it's not an easy topic and i think a lot of people try to make it a simple topic mm-hmm where you know they say where they say oh well you know you know Hamas is to blame or Israel it, it's more it's more complicated than that yeah it's it, more morally ethically and physically and you know in considering war um so i don't know i don't i don't know the answer i don't know the answer to what they could have done yeah I, I think one solution that might possibly work is um, an end to the segregatory policies in Israel mm-hmm. that, you know, keeps Palestinians, uh, Palestinian, <clears throat> sorry, civilians um, in different parts of Israel, uh, doesn't allow them to access the same education. Uh, Jesus Christ, I forgot to turn notifications off. Um but yeah, that just segregate the citizens and keep them in the Gaza Strip and in the West Bank. Um, and that adds to the radicalization of, of Palestinians mm-hmm. that then join groups like Hamas. So I, I think, I, I don't want to paint Hamas in a good light because they're horrible. But Israel has so many resources to stop the segregation of Palestinians that causes the radicalization of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I find it quite uh, ironic, I guess is worth to say, mm-hmm. considering that the reason that most of these um, most of the people in Israel, especially the Jewish community, mm-hmm. came to Israel, it was because of anti-Semitism, yeah, and hate that they were experiencing in other parts of the world, yeah. Just to come to Israel and <coughs> do the same thing to uh, Palestinian groups. Exactly. Um, so I, I do I do think that that's a I think but see I think what I think that's a that's a long term solution. Mm-hmm. But I think it's hard to look at the long term solution whenever you're in, immediately in the war. And you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I think that's a that's a great long term solution for making sure Hamas doesn't get more powerful. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you're still fighting a war right now, right? You know, today. Yeah. And so, and you, you saw you saw the Iron Dome, or not not today, physically. I don't mean today. I mean like, it whenever the whenever they were mm-hmm. in, within you know um, during the conflict. Yeah. Um, you know, you still have bombs. You know, you're still looking for a way to stop it right now. Yeah. No, I think that I think that's a that's a great way for them to stop you know stop Hamas from spreading, mm-hmm. and eventually seek peace, you know, however long that takes, whether it's five, ten years, yeah, whatever. But in the in the moment, you won't you know your only goal is to stop the bombs coming into your country, yeah. And so, so I yeah I agree. I think that's a good long term solution. I would agree. With, I would agree with you on that. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I think it's ironic. It, yeah. But, um. But I I don't see this as a. I think that's something that takes a long time. Mm-hmm. That's more of long game. And I think Israel was very much. I think both sides were very much. 
short game. Let's finish this for our side. Yeah. Um. So I guess the the final question on this is, it, it is a very long term solution to yeah. do that. Um, but it's also something that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, just even from like a human rights uh, perspective, should the U.S. Uh, stop funding Israel so much, uh, and should the UN also um, kind of provide restrictions on Israel until they um, kind of stop doing these human rights violations in Israel proper, not necessarily uh, in the Gaza Strip? Um. Well, the only the only caution that I would have towards that mm-hmm. would be uh is removing you know is removing funding or whatever from from Israel or do you want to put a more restriction on Israel going to just increase Hamas's stronghold in the region mm-hmm. and I guess that's my one concern with that is 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 because you you think Israel is if you know Israel is Doing human rights violation now. If let Hamas take get, gain more power, there's gonna be some serious human rights violations. Yeah, and so I guess, um, I guess that's my only concern with that is if if you if you do take funding away from Israel, um, putting restri- put restrictions on Israel, um, things things of that sort, will that empower Hamas? But mm-hmm. you know, so I don't, um. That that's the one that's the one caution I have to that because that that could be a possible negative negative effect of of that, mm-hmm. and that would only cause things to get worse. Yeah. Hmm. I'm trying to think of how to word this without making it sound like I'm an evil person. <laughs> um, nothing wrong with being evil sometimes. Oh well, yeah, this is just gonna sound really bad when I say it. I think even if it means that Hamas gains more power, we need to stop the human rights violations in Israel. You see, this is where this is where. Damn it! I'm sorry. Um, I think this is where the better of the two evils come in, because, like I said, I'm of the belief that. Are the things that Israel's doing right doing right now right? No. Mm-hmm. But if Hamas takes if Hamas would gain more of a stronghold in the region, the the evils that they'd be doing would be much worse. Mm-hmm. And so it's taking the better of the two turds, I guess is one way to put it. Yeah. Or the lesser of the two evils. And so that's that's the way out. That Hamas's human rights violations. If they if they gain a stronghold in the region and were able to, you know, set up a, a more um, a permanent base, uh, more, you know, uh, can get, gain stronghold, gain hold of a larger region. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the amount of suppression that'd be the amount of uh, genocide. Yeah. Uh, that would that would occur would be a much more human rights violation. Yeah, and so it's like, again, this is this is a, a horrible situation mm-hmm. because it's like you're having to choose between the worst of the two evils, 
It'd be nice to just choose no evil. Yeah. But one of the two is going to happen. And so... And so I, I guess, I guess to me, you want, or I guess not you, but like mm-hmm. in general, in general, it'd be much easier to have Israel win this war uh-huh. and then try to fix Israel after. Yeah. Then to have, then to kind of stop Israel mid-war and then try to fix Hamas. Yeah. Or have Hamas gain power, gain power. And then, and then tried to beat Hamas. So, uh, because like you said, they're still Israel's still part of the UN. That in the US, the US is a, a an ally too, mm-hmm. or has been historically been an ally. Yeah. To Israel. And so, Israel would be much easier to fix than a terrorist organization if if they would get if they would gain that stronghold. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even know if it would actually be a problem of if we threatened these um, restrictions on Israel. I don't know if they'd even actually happen because I, I think if we threaten them with the restrictions, they will change out of necessity. So I, I don't know if it's worth strong arming, like strong arming them into a point where they have to change what they're doing for human rights or lose the war, you know? Say that again? I kind of I kind of lost you. Basically what I'm saying is even... Okay. If we say... If the United States says, we're going to stop funding you, Israel, unless you change these, and the UN also says, you know, we're going to place sanctions on you, we're going to restrict what you can do. I don't know if those things would actually happen because I think Israel would um, kind of realize the situation that they're in mm-hmm. at that point and change the way that they're uh, segregating Palestinians while continuing the war, you know? Yeah. And I mean, if that, if that can happen without hurting their stance in the war... Mm-hmm. Where but where both happen where they where they continue their fight against Hamas, mm-hmm. but then also stop, um, you know stop uh, the Palestinian segregation, um, well then I would say go for it. Mm-hmm. I just I I'm not sure that I'm not sure that that's the outcome that would happen, mm-hmm. and at least well, at least talking about at least with um, with uh, you know things like restrictions or or withdrawing funding or things like that. Um, and when we talk about we 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 talk about this like, but at the same at the same time, I don't see anyone in our government that's going to be taking that stance. Yeah, you know, because there's been a small faction of of the left that has taken that stance, but then for the most part, the U.S. as a whole has been pretty pro-Israel. Yeah, and so I don't see anyone that's that would take that stance. But if that if both things could happen, then I'd be all for it. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if they can. Okay. Um, well, I think that's enough about Israel, I guess. Um, but let's kind of continue with segregation in a way, and we'll talk about uh, the Haitian mm-hmm. immigration crisis at our border right now. Yeah. Um, so just for some background information, uh, the last big 
earthquake that hit Haiti. I think it was 2011 or 2010. It was. It was. It was that long ago, was it? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, the last one where they left the island in masses. Oh. Um, I, I think it was 2010 or 11. Um, many um, fled to. You got it. On September on September nineteenth, one happened of a magnitude of four point two. Um, but I feel like you're. I feel like. Well, I, yeah, I'm kind of talking about a specific yeah. situation. I I don't know if it was the last major one, um, but the one where tens of thousands of them, uh, moved to Ecuador and surrounding countries because of the uh, visa require or the no visa requirements in those countries, uh, in order to. Uh, just escape Haiti and eventually come to the U.S. Um, that happened a while ago. And just this week, um, they're starting to move to the U.S. and kind of come into the U.S. And it's an issue that we've seen time and time again with immigration. Um, and it seems to be being blown out of proportion so I, I just wanted to talk with you about our responsibility as a nation to accept refugees and to um, also just talk about border policy in mm -hmm. general. Yeah. Um, so I definitely think we have a, as, the, you know, one thing that separates America from a lot of other countries is that we, the resources that we have, mm -hmm. and I'm just talking about like, I'm not just talking about like the natural resources, the pure size. Yeah. Um, the size of our economy, the size of most of our U.S. cities, um, we have the ability to take in refugees. Mm -hmm. And one thing that separates us from a lot of other countries as well is, you know, part of America is built on this moral obligation to help to accept help others. Yeah. To help others. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I do think that we, that we should be taking in refugees. Mm -hmm. But the way that it is occurring right now at the at the at the U.S. Mexican border is not the way that it needs to be happening. Mm -hmm. Um, one because it's dangerous. Yeah, and I'm not just talking about for U.S. citizens. I'm talking about for them. Yeah. Um, it's it's dangerous. It's you know they had to travel all the way from South America to get here, through, uh, through parts of Mexico that are extremely dangerous. Yeah. Um. And you you have thousands of people living under uh, I forgot what the bridge is called, but it's, they're living under. The way I understand is that they're under a bridge, um, you know, looking at possibly crossing the Rio Grande River. <laughs> and, I mean, and th this is all coming right after, you know, you had you had many uh, Hispanic immigrants, yeah, that were doing not quite to this magnitude, but the kind of the same thing, yeah, and. And then now you have now you have the, and here here's the issue that I have, and I think a lot of this goes to this administration, mm -hmm. um, because I I had my disagreements on Trump with immigration. He was very hard on letting letting immigrants into the into the country, um, very anti. I would say I would almost say anti-immigrant policies. But, um, but and you saw you kind of saw Biden in words. Swing the other way in words, but not in practice. Yeah, and his his the way that he at least come leading up to his election and leading up to you know up until I would say up until about three months into his into his um, 
can't end his presidency. Mm-hmm. You know, he made it sound like he was going to be taking everybody in. And so what you have is this mad rush to the to the U.S.-Mexican border. Mm-hmm. Because they were told, hey, we'll, we may be able to get in. Yeah. And then, you, and then, so you have this mad rush, just for them him to put them on planes and send them back to Haiti. Yeah, which they haven't been to in years. <laughs> yeah, they, it's not like you're sending them back home. Like, yeah, you're sending them to a place they haven't been to. Exactly, and to a place that's that's destroyed mm-hmm. from earthquakes, hurricanes. You know, uh, I forgot the name of the uh, the terrorist the the gangs that are in that are in Haiti right now. The the U.S. the government backed mm-hmm. uh, gangs. I don't know what they're called, but like the ones that killed the, yeah. pre- the president. Yeah, the one that assassinated the president. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it it's a disaster. Yeah, and it's due in in it's it's due to soft words mm-hmm. or strong opposite strong words, no action. Yeah, and I guess this is one where I would have liked to see. You know, I would have rather I would have much rather them say because. You know, you you had Kamala and 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 Biden saying we don't want you coming to the yeah, border. Do don't not come. come. Yeah. But the problem is that was after months of saying that that they wanted to have an open border policy. Yeah. And it's like well now it's a little late because you have that people by the droves trying to come in. It's a little late to be saying that. Yeah. And so I would have much rather them say, you cannot. You know, start from the very beginning. We're not going. You're not going to be able to cross this border. Mm-hmm. But we're going to make it easier for you to access. I would love to see. The, the wait list for becoming a citizen becomes shortened. Yeah. The the entry requirements become easier. Mm-hmm. I mean, mo- most U.S. citizens can't pass the, the citizen's test. Yeah. um You know, t- to make that pathway easier, mm-hmm. where you're still able to see who's coming in, you know, run background checks if you need, thing, things of that sort, and actually keep a keep a tabs on who is coming in, mm-hmm. but also not have to worry about about people risking their lives trying to cross the Rio Grande or trying to absolutely trying to go through cartels to get to the U.S. Mm-hmm. because because then you're open up to human trafficking. You're you know there's a lot of different issues that come with it. Mm-hmm. And again, I think this is this is one of the failures that I think again it's, it's hard in words but soft in practice and or yeah hard in words but soft in practice and that doesn't tend to, whenever in a situation like this that doesn't work well. I completely agree. Uh, I, I think it's solely the responsibility of um, of Biden and Harris to reform our immigration, you know, mm-hmm. because like you were saying, they, they were telling all these people that they, you know, we're going to fix it and they haven't done anything. And um, I, I just think they need to actually start acting. Yeah. Did you, I forgot who, um, I forgot who was asked the question, um, but the question was pretty much, it was it was someone in Biden's and Biden's staff, mm-hmm. and they were asked if Biden had ever been to the border, mm-hmm. and they couldn't answer. <laughs> and I was like, that's the last thing you want whenever there's a cri- whenever you have a crisis going on, yeah. and uh, and then I also think, I I mean this is just I I'm I'm becoming more and more frustrated with the amount of empty promises that were given by this administration. Mm-hmm. And then you have Kamala who was, you know, put in, you know, she, she was supposed to be, you know, strong and be able to answer. And then, you know, she, she can't answer a question straight about the border. Mm-hmm. She laughs and deflects over every question. It's like, can somebody please take initiative and step yeah. up for this? Mm. 
But instead, everyone's deflecting everyone. And it, I would rather them just say, shit's out of control. We're going to find a way to fix it. Yeah. Then to pretend like everything's okay and that there's no problems. Because mm-hmm. then, because you have, you have, uh, what, what's Biden's press secretary? Saki? Is that her name? It's P-S-A-K-I? Is uh, that yeah. how you say it? Yeah. Pisaki. But you have you have her just going out every day and deflecting at question after question about it, and it's mm-hmm. like, I would rather you just be sure up and say there's a cry there that we have an issue. Yeah, we messed up. We will do our best to fix it. Mm-hmm. I would much rather that than say there's no problem, and pretend like there aren't thirteen thousand people underneath the bridge. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and then then you go. So people were you know the big thing under Trump was the the kids in cages. Mm-hmm. We're still doing that. We're still doing it. It never yeah. stopped. And the, the 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 worst part, if you go and look at when a lot of those facilities open, it actually opened underneath in 20, uh, 20 during the Obama administration. Mm-hmm. So it, it's continued for now three tar- three presidents. Yeah. And then he's talking about opening one, opening another facility. In, uh, I think it was Guantanamo. I can't say it. I'm going to mess up if I try to say it. Mm. Guantanamo. I can't. I can't say it. Anyway, a place in Mexico uh-huh. for for these Haitian immigrants. Yeah, and it's like the same issue that we that we complained about last year, two years ago. We're just putting it in Mexico. <laughs> we're, we're just we're just doing more of them. Like yeah, like no, it's it's like we went from one extreme mm-hmm. that wasn't working very well to the other extreme, which is just an utter shit show. Yeah, it's like we we went from we went from racist to just chaos. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it's like people, did we miss the middle? Like, I feel like the answer is somewhere in the middle and we completely missed it. Yeah. So it's, it's quite infuriating. I completely agree with that. <laughs> um, so I, I guess let, we'll focus specifically on Haitian immigration. Yeah. Um, the U.S. is responsible for a lot of the problems that caused Haiti to be so poor and mm-hmm. for again these terrorist groups to pop up these armed militias um so I actually I did I did, I did my uh did, mm-hmm. did my research um so it is the US does I would say take does should take fault in some mm-hmm. of this but another another country that I believe should take just as much if not more is actually France yeah. France's role in the colonization of uh, bring, first of all, bring first of all, bring slaves. Yeah. To hate to Haiti, you know, mm-hmm. forming the um, the their colony in Haiti, their slave colony. Yeah. And then um, so if you look at, and I, I didn't know this. So if you look at if you look at the Dominican Republic, which is you know right next. To yeah. And this, they share the same uh, island. island. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at the two, uh, Haiti is absolutely is brown. There's. You know, there's no force for it. And then um, the Dominican Republic is very, very green, tropical. very tropical. Yeah. And a lot of that was due to deforestation by the French. Yeah. Um, and after the French left the colony, and mm. after after Haiti had gained their independence, mm. uh, France showed up with warships in Haiti. Yeah. And demanded demanded recompense yeah. for, oh. for their loss. For their loss. Yeah. For their losses. Um. And whenever, whenever a con- the first thing that a country has to do is pay recompense, mm. and it gets wiped, they have their re- their natural resources wiped out by a yeah. country, and then you have so they started with no money to begin with 
because of France. Yeah. And then you had the U.S. come in and suppress them and suppress them more. Mm-hmm. Followed by forty years of ty- of tyranny. Yeah. In the country, which drove them into massive debt, because it, and you know who because he uses for his own his own personal gain. Yeah. And then you had a um a president that was ousted twice, in in a fifteen year span. Mm-hmm. Um. On top of earthquakes, hurricanes, um, climate change, climate change, yeah, and so a lot of that. So yes, the U.S. absolutely should take fault, but I would almost argue that it they were that the French pretty much set them up for failure, yeah, by stripping them of any resources and then taking whatever resource, whatever money they had left, yeah. So I'd agree that the the Haitian debt to the French was. A huge part but i also think that the u.s um you know like they do with many countries that are starting out on their own and mm-hmm. deciding what they want as a democratic society you know invaded took out their leader installed Gua- I, I can't pronounce his name guavanera i believe yeah um and installed um yeah i'm sorry install guavanera um they continue they continued that for i believe it was 30 years like 1915 yeah. mm. blah 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 um and that i i believe had a larger impact than the stripping of resources and um the the 20 in today's dollars i believe it's like 20 billion dollar debt they accrued from the uh, from the french uh, as well as the the U.S., uh, how do you call it, essentially just telling every other country that because they're the first black republic that, you know, they're dangerous, their goods are dangerous. Mm-hmm. They they essentially set a worldwide embargo, even including the Dominican Republic, which is their neighbor, uh, from buying their goods and helping with their economy. I, I think that played the biggest role in why they're poor today. Mm. Well, a lot of the U.S. was because they didn't want a slave state yeah, to exactly. gain power. Yeah. Um, or what they call a slave state, mm-hmm. like a, um, a republic, yeah, a literal. Republic. Yeah. <laughs> um, they didn't want a former, a former, that's a former yeah. slave state to gain power as a republic, mm-hmm. especially in such, the entire U.S. economy at that right, point. especially in such close proximity, exactly to to them. Mm-hmm. So I would I would definitely agree that the, that the U.S. played a big part, mm-hmm. big part. But uh, my only point was that France is not without blame. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think also because we're so close to them and have caused so much damage to them, we we have almost a an infinite responsibility to take them in and help them recover. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we uh, we're gonna take like a five minute break. <laughs> Alex just needs to run to the bathroom. Uh, I'll just continue my point very loudly so you can hear me. Um, we, we have this infinite responsibility to the Haitians to take them in, help them recover and, um, and, and just, just take them in. We, that's all we need to do. We need to accept them. We can't turn them away at the border, but we'll cut it in the post. All right. But, um, yeah. So like I was saying, we just, because we played such a role in why they're coming here, um, and the humanitarian crisis, we we can't turn them away. No, I agree. I don't think we should at all turn them away. Yeah. My my only point that I was making was that 
the process of them getting here shouldn't be dangerous. Yeah, it should, it should we be should a, provide a way for them to actually come here safely. Exactly. It should it should be a, and I mean I'm not just talking about Haitians. I'm talking about um, a Latino Americans, so mm-hmm. Hispanic, um, immigrants that want to come here, mm. that want to come to the U.S. It shouldn't be extremely difficult for them to come. Yeah, there it shouldn't, shouldn't be, be no twenty five year yeah. wait list. Yeah. And it, you shouldn't have to be taking your last pennies out of your pocket to get in. Mm-hmm. You know, you shouldn't have to be risking your life to cross the Gulf of Mexico or, um, you know, fighting through drug cartels and possible human trafficking to get here. Exactly. And I think that's possible to do. Mm. While at the, but having open border is not is not the answer. Mm-hmm. And especially not telling people that they have there's an open border and then yeah. and then going back on your word. Exactly. Because it just leads to all sorts of, hum- I mean, humanitarian issues. That's mm-hmm. uh, that's what at least at least the people under bridges, at least through human trafficking, at least through um, uh, kids in cages. Do you think we'll see a change to that? No. Not under this under this administration, yeah. no. I, I I don't believe. I don't see who who I don't see who's going to. Yeah. I don't see. I don't have the trust in Biden to do it. Mm-hmm. I think if he was going to do it, it would have been done already. Yeah. Um. I I don't think it's gonna happen in this administration. I hope possibly next in the next administration or future ones that it does. But I don't I don't think it's going to change. Unfortunately, I mean it's unfortunate. It really is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. But I I don't have the trust that it will change in this in in this time period. I completely agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's pretty good for this episode. Yeah. All right, I guess we'll end the episode. Uh, If you guys liked it or have any questions about what we talked about, uh, just let us know, and we can uh, talk about them next week whenever we do our podcast. So thank you for listening.